Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special, lively winter episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and a whole awesome room full of awesome people. Awesome room and awesome full of awesome people. Full of awesomeness, because God is an awesome God. Absolutely. So, folks, we are entering into... We're entering into, we're at the, uh, at the doorstep, if you will, of Lent, believe it or not. It's a, it's a couple weeks away, and um, as Catholics, we are given cultural indications, strong indications that we need to more deeply ourselves enter into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That uh, it isn't just a season that we appropriate the grace poured out on the cross, but while we are on this earth right now, we are entering into and sharing with Christ, making up for what is lacking in the body of Christ, right? He wants us to participate in that salvific mission. And it's a mission of transformation in our own hearts first. That's as we see around us a lot of the problems and challenges punctuated by legislatures that are declaring death on the unborn most egregiously, as we've seen in the last weeks, those up to birth and even beyond birth. We see now that the battle, right, it's right in front of us. There's no hiding. Hidden things are coming to light. We're seeing the battle around us. It's punctuated by the pronunciation of death right up to birth and after birth. And that points to a need for all of us to have transformation, to seek all the more God's transforming grace in our own lives. So it begins there, but it's got to overflow. That inner life has to overflow to claiming the culture around us, to claiming the culture around us, that it become a culture of life, a culture of love. Um, and that's really, truly, why, what gives us confidence is the knowledge that God created every single person to know him and love him, to be tabernacles for his indwelling spirit. We can go and approach every person in school, in work, uh, wherever we're at, and our family is certainly first and foremost as as um, tabernacles meant for God's indwelling spirit. So it's a culture of awakening, and tonight we just invite you to be mindful. Are we ourselves aware of the degree to which God designed us, above all else, for his indwelling spirit? John Paul II says, quote, The gospel lives in conversation with culture. And if the church holds back from the culture... The gospel itself falls silent. Therefore, we must be fearless in crossing the threshold of the communication and information revolution now taking place. We must be fearless, I'm repeating it, in crossing the threshold of the communication and information revolution now taking place. So we are in the studio with wonderful members of the Culture Project who are putting woo, flags woo, in the sand JP, for Christ here in the this area. Applause going in the in schools. The yeah, we need that little clip of the applause. But folks, no, we're in the we're in the presence of young adults who have given their lives lives on a year-to-year basis to claim territory for Christ, to speak from their lives this beautiful message of awakening to a culture that, let's face it, is very difficult and hardened to receiving this, but it is the source and hope of their having an abundant life. So what we love to do on Ignite Radio Live is to share the um, great power and grace that we have in our testimony. We love the scripture quote from Revelation Um, They defeated the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, our Holy Mass, and the word of their testimony. And so we are blessed tonight to have so many testimonies among us that I know the Lord is going to use to touch your hearts and um, just really 
minister to you in a special, unique way. And we are so blessed to have you guys with us. So first of all, thank you for being here. Um, we're going to, uh, you guys can randomly choose or whatever, but tell us a little brief testimony from each of you, something that the Lord has done in your life or what brought you um, to come to know of his love and relationship with him. Should we draw we straws? <laughs> Ladies first. Carrie, all, thank you for volunteering. They're all, they're all being awesome. so polite. Sorry, that was a poor lead-in on my part. So, uh, so my name's Carrie, and I'm a missionary here in Toledo. I'm from Minnesota, and I just graduated. Say it again. I'm from Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh, yeah, you betcha, don't you know. So, yeah, so I'm from Minnesota. I actually grew up on a farm, middle of nowhere, and I'm third of six kids. I have an awesome family. So I grew up Catholic. My dad is actually Methodist. My parents are about to celebrate their 26th anniversary. So all of us kids were raised Catholic. And um, we really, they did the best with what we had. But being the middle of nowhere, uh, I didn't even realize how much depth there was. I didn't even know that my parents, a lot of it, they don't even know just because we're out in the middle of nowhere. So uh, the way that I really connected, I think my story is not as this huge moment of conversion, but music is a way that I've really connected that in second grade i joined the children's choir just like the rest of my siblings and we sang every saturday for mass and that slowly led into i played piano since i was in kindergarten so in fourth grade i got to play lead me lord for mass and every time we did that song and then i got to play it and then by eighth grade just with some changes in the church i got to start playing for full masses and i started doing that just as my job all the way through high school led me to studying liturgical music in college and uh, that's when I really got to dive in. I also studied theology and uh, whatever was going on in life, because I, I had some ups and downs, particularly later on in college. But music is what always kept me connected and just a way that I really, really felt uh, really just I, that's the way I continue to feel very connected to our Lord and to know that like whatever else is going on in life and wherever I was at in college, that I still was going to church on the weekends, oftentimes five times a weekend because I was playing for mass. And uh, it, it really kept me connected and I had an app on for music. I'm not sure what my college story may have looked like. So it really was just a blessing to always have that there and keeping me drawn in. And it still is a way that has been just a really beautiful connection for me to Christ. Awesome. Caitlin. Oh, well, actually, I'm also from Minnesota. So I'm the second oldest of seven. I grew up in a homeschool family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, starting it back when I was a little toddler, I had very strong will. I like just had really big desires. So I think my conversion story kind of started with um, my parents bringing me to adoration because I had such strong desires and I would throw tantrums if I didn't get my way when I wanted it. And um, just Does that surprise of- you guys, by the way, knowing her right now? <laughs> you don't need to answer. <laughs> I'm kidding. Sorry, Caitlin. Feel free. I'm humble fest. So, um, but yeah, and so I just, you know, would go bring my little kitty cat journal and I would just write about my desires, write about what did God want with my life and we just take a moment for that little kitty, kitty cat, cat journal. Yeah, <laughs> That's no, beautiful. I love it. And, um, you know, I would just ask the Lord to make me a sunshine maker and, like, different things like that. Go back and read it. It's hilarious. But, yeah, definitely just um, adoration was a big part of my conversion story. And even just living the faith out in my home, um, my mom would do together time every 11 o'clock. We would read um, saint stories and virtue mm. stories. It was just like a part of our family life. Um, and yeah, just was blessed to be able to go to a Catholic school after that and just continue growing in my relationship with the Lord, particularly just um, growing in my love for young women and purity and the pro-life movement, and mm. which ultimately led to me serving as a missionary with a culture project. So. Thank you. So Carrie and Caitlin, a kind of common theme that is very unique 
right out of the gates, that you were seemingly preserved from a lot of the debauchery, shall we say, that maybe most of your peers went through. Um, your parents created a foundation and, and uh, God ordained an environment where you got to avoid a lot of that stuff. Is that accurate? Yeah, very much so. It's somewhat accurate for me, and okay. at least like through high school, and then I got to college, and I, I very much knew the what's of the faith, and the do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, but I didn't have the why's, and the culture was very much present. I did go to a Catholic university, but Catholic by title, and it also was very much a party school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had that surrounding me, and it slowly kind of became more and more like, well, like, I don't know, like, since I didn't have these why's, I kind of, I did get sucked into that party culture a little bit, especially just at the very end of college. And thankfully, like, I still was. I was leading a ministry. I was playing for Mass every single weekend. So, like, I was still staying connected, but I really just kind of had a bit of a double life for a while. But it really it didn't take long. And that's when I found the Culture Project, which really helped pull me out of that. And I, I start to, started to know the whys, which is what made all the difference. So there's a theme just for us uh, in our audience to listen right now. If you have children or grandchildren in the space, good kids, right, who love God, raised in a faith-filled home, and Carrie's uh, situation became Catholic. But what are those pressures that good kids face? So just hold on to that question. We'll get to it later. But what are those pressures that good kids face that is so formidable that they find themselves being drawn in, maybe, and thanks be to God, the compass brings them out, and there's other things that can draw them out. But that seems to be an area that uh, many are facing. Lara. Also, hi, everyone. My name is Lara. I am from Pennsylvania and a first-year missionary with the Culture Project. Um, a little bit about my story, though. Um, I think I always start like with my family because we do have pretty close ties. I'm the youngest of five um, and really like strong faith foundations from the beginning. We were very much a family that said the rosary every single night. Um, I went to Catholic grade school, high school, all the way through. Um, I'm also Byzantine Catholic, so we're very staunch traditionalists, and we like like things a certain way, but also double dip and got the Roman experience as well in the in the schooling there. So definitely a appreciation for the diversity within the church um, from a very early age. Um, so yeah, we definitely had like a good foundation at home, and I think like even in, though I went to Catholic school, like in grade grade school and high school, there were definitely like the pressures of the world that started off there. So kind of seeing that in the beginning and then that continuing on forward when I went to a public university for four years. It was very much known um, as a party school, but I went for to study education. Um, but, you know, for the first few years, I had like a, a decent group of friends who like held me accountable in some ways. Um, but then it's very easy to get sucked into if you're not fully committed, if you kind of just like, you know, I just want to dip my toes in for a little bit, see what it's like. Um, so, yeah, it's very easy in that that world to to kind of get into that. So that was a little bit of a struggle for me. Um, but then I think kind of similar to Carrie's story where because um, I was still grounded and rooted in my faith, I was going to mass every weekend and um, had a friend who encouraged me to help out with women ministry on campus. Mm-hmm. So we helped uh, run our women's group together. And I think like that was a really big um, triggering point for me to to make the final jump to really pursue um, so we would um, do like socials, just foster a really beautiful, lively community of women, um, you know, provide alternatives for the things to do on the weekends, um, go to mass, holy hours, things like that together, um, really pursuing our faith in that direction, which I think was a really big turning point. And then um, also accountability. So we would do like a book study. And one of the books that we read was um, Dating Detox. And so I, I led that. And then just from there, I think that kind of inspired um in my heart, the desire to help women in these struggles, particularly when it comes to dating relationships, mm-hmm. like how that looks in our culture today. So, so that's important. a little bit about how um, kind of that, I think, 
that was the starting point for where I was attracted to the mission of the Culture Project. So, yeah, it's been awesome. Peter, otherwise and affectionately referred to as Kefa, which, of course, is, I think, Aramaic for uh, rock. Foundation Matthew 16. Come on, what's the verse? Matthew 16, 18. Right. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Awesome. So we got one of those namesakes here right before us. So share, share with us your, a little bit of your backstory. Yeah, so I grew up in, in New Jersey, um, very far and very far away from here. And it was, uh, it was a very good um, upbringing, uh, kind of a cradle Catholic raised in the church. My, my parents, we would, go to, we would go to Mass all together. But eventually, to me, it kind of came about like going through the motions. You know, I would just do this because this is what my family does and uh, just, you know, that's, that's just the way it's going to be. Until my faith kind of took a took on its own uh, form in, in high school. So I went to a high school that was ran by monks. So um, I kind of kind of had the faith fostered in that community uh, there. And then um, the Holy Spirit really blessed, blessed that whole time because of the fact that I uh, was not looking to go to another Catholic school. I actually was trying to find uh, another, uh, like a college that was away from, away from the, what my high school was all about, uh, uh, trying to go to the Naval Academy, trying to become a midshipman or something along those lines. However, I found myself at another Benedictine school where my faith was fostered there through community and friendship and prayer and being able to pray with the monks. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how my faith has been fostered over these years, kind of a, a series of different communities that um, have been able to form me and shape me into the man I am today. Uh, then I ultimately found another community, which was the Culture Project. Um, and I've been blessed to be able to serve here uh, with the Culture Project ever since. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And the Prophet Joel, your numero dos, or is it Trace? Let's go Trace. Trace, okay. Awesome. Um, yeah, here to represent all of you heathens and lukewarm Catholics out there. Good to see you. <sighs> Yeah, um, I understand that none of those type of Catholics are listening to Annunciation Radio. Yet. Yet, exactly. Um, I was definitely the public school kid through and through. Um, not a not as much of a faith background with my parents, uh, who also maintained the lukewarm Catholics uh, and, and sort of like the double life type of mm-hmm. reputation. Shout out to you, Mom and Dad. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm, they're not listening either, but um, I can at least tell them I, gotta sh- I-, I shouted them out on the radio. But, yeah, I think um, just I-, I think in my Culture Project bio it says something along the lines of discovered God's love by running as far from it as possible. Mm. Um, and uh, But I-, I tried the unique balance um, dichotomy of-, of maintaining a good reputation in the faith. And was Bible study leader and men's group chief, and all of these uh, resume building type of Catholic positions in the student center at my alma mater. And um, it was a, it was through that disintegration of the person that uh, I eventually realized um, theology of the body through adoration and uh, through a difficult breakup. And uh, it's been a little over five years since since that conversion experience, uh, a very profound experience in adoration with the Holy Spirit. And since then, fallen in love with John Paul II, and uh, even the, even the Catechism, chastely defined as this um, successful integration of the of, of the human person. Um, that's ultimately what I've been striving for for five years, and every day through the Culture Project and through chastity, I recognize myself more and more. And uh, I'm able to recall my identity as a son of God. So it's been awesome. quite the journey, cut from a very similar cloth, cloth as uh, like the Crystalina Everts, the Matt Frads, and the Christopher Wests, um, where I, I did struggle the most 
in this specific area of chastity mm, and mm. sexuality. This the this area was where my questions where my questions uh, uh, stemmed from the most. Joel, thanks for sharing. And I'm going to cue you, Carrie, in just a moment to share with our listeners what is the Culture Project all about. But before we get there, we're blessed to have the head honcho, the development director, I believe, of Culture Project with regard to development. And that is Julie, who's, I believe, two years or something. Julie, tell us a little bit about your background. My background. Well, I actually have a Catholic background as well, um, schooled, um, grade school, high school, um, in the um, Catholic setting, and um, always um, faithful. And most recently, I was um, making a career change, actually, Mm -hmm. that led me to a more um, solid um, grounding of um, growing my relationship with God. And um, that actually came by asking where um, I actually had a rare occasion where I came to know the Culture Project by being invited to a fundraiser. And uh, I had no idea who they were and wh- or what they were. And I walked in and learned and just saw these team of wonderful young adults and knowing what they were doing and dedicating their life to restoring the culture for today's youth. And I was so taken by them that I became a donor. And at that point, I had actually asked the Lord to use me for a greater good. I had prayed because I had reached a point in my life and in my career where I was looking for greater meaning and purpose. Mm. So he heard me because here I am and uh, and I'm very blessed to be here because it's such a worthy organization. And uh, I'm, I'm just proud every day to be surrounded by these bright, beautiful young adults who are making a difference every day in front of the youth that they encounter. Awesome. Thank you so much. Carrie, can you give us a little um, primer on the Culture Project for our listeners? I would love to. So hopefully a lot of you have heard of us. We are an initiative of young people out to restore culture through an experience of virtue. So we proclaim the dignity of the human person and the richness of living sexual integrity. And it's all about inviting our culture to become fully alive. So that's our bottled up mission statement. So we are missionary speakers. So we go into schools, into parishes, into homeschool groups, youth groups, you name it. Generally 6th through 12th grade, a little bit of college. And we give talks. So we talk about human dignity, sexual integrity, the virtue of chastity. We have a talk on social media this year and just ultimately about authentic love and authentic life and really just combating the very, very, very loud culture that we are living in. Of like what is actually good and what is actually true and leading youth to be able to find that goodness and not just get caught up in, in the culture. We also live in community. So a big part of mission life is living in teams of five. There's five of us here in Toledo, as well as out on the on the West Coast in Los Angeles and San Francisco. And next year, we will also be in the Diocese of Cleveland. So we are expanding, yeah, which is exciting. Yes, God. yes. Thank you. And uh, we do a lot of formation as well, because we need to be knowledgeable of the topics we speak of, of course. And uh, yeah, so it's a lot of our main pillars and our, our prayer and community work and formation. So I think that's a pretty good awesome. overview. How long has Culture Project been in existence? This is year number five. Okay. So wow. 2014 was impressive. And it started year. in Philadelphia? It, it did. Okay. Yes. Christina Barba. And it's, it's grown from there. So the home office is still in Philadelphia. And then we are adding dioceses as we go. Awesome. So you are young adults who have been blessed to see and choose the good in this regard. And by that, we know it's validated sociologically. The choices you're making are 
preserving you from a lot of real difficulties, heartache, and challenges out there that many of your peers are immersed in. But even more, it's freeing you up for that intimacy that our hearts are made for. And I want to ask you the question before we maybe get into some glory stories. Sex. What's it got to do with God and our relationship with God? And shall we say, what's it got to do with the good? And I mean the true good, that there is a good, and maybe we just need to begin there and pronounce. Many people think that that is a relativistic thing. Well, your good is your good and mine is mine. I don't care who, where you are on the planet. If you punch somebody in the mouth, that's, they're not going to regard that as a good. They're not going to appreciate that. Anywhere you go on the planet, somebody being deprived of food, they're going to be hungry. They're going to they're gonna, you know, have certain reactions. Um, there are fundamental universal goods that we know the culture, the enemy is working to make us think they don't exist, but they do. And sociology right now is bearing that out. So connect with us. Let's have a just conversation, maybe what struck each of you to choose this because of the connection between sex, relationship with God and the good of the human person. Yeah, so I can start. Um, I like to think about think about it in these terms, in terms of sex is like such a good thing. It was so good that God made us sexual beings, man and woman, that it's so good and so great that there's a proper context for it. Uh, that's how I explain it usually to the kids I speak to. Um, I usually kind of like throw it back on them. It's like, if I were to tell you guys right now, I'm going to go swim a swim meet in this hallway right here, right outside this door. Like, what would you call me? And they're like, nuts. And I'm like, <laughs> Lunatic. exactly, because that would be unreasonable for me to say that. But would you say that swimming a swim meet's a great thing? Yeah, that's a pretty great thing. Sex is a great thing, too, and it has a proper context, and the proper context is marriage. So I think I kind of see our, our lives and community, and uh, we're, all, we're all fighting for the same things. I get to be surrounded by friends, friendships of virtue, friend, friends who are willing to call me on, call me out sometimes, but more call me on, hopefully, guys, that would be nice, um, call me on to greater virtue, living out this, this virtue of chastity to the, to the person I want to be, you know, allowing me to become more of who I am. Uh, I really like that question. I actually wrote uh, my thesis on marriage and welcoming God back into the center of marriage. And I used the book Three to Get Married by Fulton Sheen. And he talks about love as love is triune. There's the lover, there's the beloved, and then there's the fruit of that, of their love. And one of my favorite parts about, you know, man and woman is that together we are a more complete image of God. And uh, just reflecting the beauty of the Trinity, like the Father totally giving himself mm-hmm. to the Son, and um, in that mutual self-gift of love, then the fruit of the Holy Spirit, how powerful that is, and just how beautiful that is in, um, in the gift of sex, where a man and a wife are giving themselves totally and completely, totally open to um, God working in and through their love, and just how that's a greater reflection of the Trinity and the nature of love, because love is by nature triune. And so uh, I think that's what gets me so excited about talking about sex. <laughs> awesome. So there was this man, last name Voitia, the man who would come to be regarded as the great Pope St. John Paul II, um, who spoke of the sexual urge. And I think this is where the culture has a different view, that because they have this urge, God meant them to act on it on command without any context, as you might say, Peter. Um, And I think one thing that people may mistakenly think of those of us who aspire to live God's way um, is that for whatever reason, we don't have the same urge that it's easy for us. 
Help me understand, and your your understanding, how do we understand this gift of the urge in light of God's design for it? Because those youth listening to it right now, young adults listening to it right now, adults, again, they, they obviously think because it's there, therefore they should act upon it. Maybe tell us a little bit about the compass and why, you know, give us some experience, if you will, as to why it is so important to connect that urge must have a context of uh, order, of direction. And isn't its own end? Isn't isn't its own norm? Um, I think it's a, a a beautiful reminder of the uh, the divine uh, appointment, if you will, of of the sexual urge in the in the heart of every human being. That our culture and and the father of lies has attempted to use it um, as a weapon for evil. Uh, we go into so many classrooms where that is the the the, the final um, stumbling block that so many young people have with the Catholic Church is that they are attempting to suppress my sexual urge. And it's only uh, an indicator of how divine it is, how beautiful it is, that this is the vehicle that the evil one will use um, to take us away from the Lord. Uh, Because if we can view ourselves and our identity as our urges and our desires and allow those to be... um, to be on the on, the, on display for everyone and to be at the forefront of our own spiritual journey. Uh, now the the sexual desire that we have it becomes our god and sex becomes our our idol, and um, it, it is just a slight twisting is all it takes for us to forget that that desire um, is rooted in in the desire that Adam first had uh, before original sin even uh, this desire for the Lord and and what a gift that the, that. You know, oh, happy fault that um, Adam's fall led to such a physical manifestation. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- there would be no sex if there was no sexual desire. And so we first have to understand the God who put it there wants us to return it to him uh, in, in such a variety of ways. And, and uh, we were able to experience, you know, how um, your guys' sexual desire led to, you know, such an incredible family, but also a family who knows that, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, their sexual desire isn't going to have to wait until marriage, um, but that can be given back to the Lord through just authentic self-giving love in so many different relationships. There was so much love coming from the, the Schleter household tonight, mm-hmm. uh, and that's because the desire the desires are ordered, and they are ordered to the one who put them there. Well put. Um, of course, in his book, Love and Responsibility, there's a powerful passage that sticks with me to this day and is really definitive. The heart of the sexual urge is an urge to a completion that can only be found in God. I'll say it again. The heart of the sexual urge is the urge to a completion that can only be found in God. And we might even elaborate that and say every deep desire that we have for anything, the heart of that will never be satisfied in pursuit of that thing itself. It will only be found in God who is our fulfillment. And I want to ask you guys to maybe share how you perhaps see that truth played out via negativa, which is to say by being in classrooms of young people and young adults who are trying to prove that wrong again and again and again and again, and they come up short, and you're at that point really with a lot of these guys, high school and college, where they've made those decisions, and they're bewildered, and they're hurt, and they're wounded, and somewhere around them is a kind of a fog of shame or a fog of, of uh, I don't know, isolation. John Paul II also said the ultimate drama is between alienation and participation. So you're experiencing those clouds of the culture, and you're coming right into that, right? And you're wanting to sort of speak into it, speak to uh, the urge in a way that's liberating authentically. 
today. You were in a couple Catholic schools, and you go around the country, obviously. You know, what? explain to us, what are you encountering? How are you seeing this play out in the classrooms? What resistance are you experiencing? And maybe what are some stories of some freedom, of some liberation, of some true awakening, might even be a better word, uh, that you see in their faces or their interactions? Tell me some of the stories. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of the uh, stories of the via negativa, as you would say, this sense of trying to disprove this this notion. I'm blessed to be able to have uh, my brother Joel here. Joel and I actually took a class together a theology, at the Theology Body Institute under Dr. John Haas, who's a moral theologian in Philadelphia. He's a great great professor. Um, and one of his phrases they threw out there, and we've we've mentioned it every once in a while throughout this year, is sin is an offense against reason. And I would hmm. go so far to say that chastity, it's reasonable to live out the virtue of chastity. It's reasonable. So when all these kids come up and start asking these questions, you know, like, oh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, that doesn't, you know, you, one, one kid said to me today, was like, you make chastity sound so simple, man. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, is it though? Is it really simple? I don't think it's that simple. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're all in this together, really. So, um, but being able to say like, okay, like everything, everything that, is is good can be distorted and that ultimately the distor- the distortions of our sexuality are so prevalent a lot amongst a lot of young people that they need clarity about what the good like what the good is so being able to just explain that and say like okay like yeah we, we this is what you actually want you know i actually did some push-ups today in the classroom today i was like yeah like this sucks my body is telling me right now to stop mm. my body's saying to me peter this sucks stop doing it right now but then I say, no, I'm going to tell my body, I'm going to keep going because I know this is good for my health. You know, so stuff like that, just being able to kind of demonstrate um, helps a little bit more. Anything else to add? Yeah, I have a quick story that um, I, w- I went into a school and there was a lot of pushback. Like there was a lot of those lies just really on the forefront and um, just, you know, girls that they didn't understand why abortion was wrong or they didn't understand, um, you know, why you would save sex for marriage. Like, isn't marriage just a piece of paper and just different things like that. And um, so there was a lot of woundedness and a lot of walls being built up, a lot of resentment. And it was it was really hard. But then at the end, there was one girl in particular who came up and she just said, I just want to thank you for being here because my eyes were really open today. So even in the midst of when you, you know, the people that you hear most back from are the ones that are suffering so much, they're hurting and they don't understand and they get defensive. But then there's always like some blessing that God kind of shares to encourage us and be like, yes, this is worth it. There are um, people who are receiving this and then the Lord will do something great with it. So So if you study the history of Planned Parenthood, Seek a Circle, dating back in the early 20th century. You see the evil genius strategy uh, and how it emerged through those decades into even targeting younger kids, targeting families, to create a context of divorcing, if you will, love from life, this capacity of mutual self-gift and the capacity to give life. Of course, we just celebrated the anniversary of Humanae Vitae. And what I what strikes me is, as you're speaking, Caitlin, and all of you in these classrooms, is 
they're in the fog and the clouds of that deceit of of um, seeds planted long ago, weeds planted long ago that have reached up and are choking life out of the beautiful souls destined for eternity. And I guess what's sad is take take God out of the equation in a sense. I mean, um, whatever the catechism says or scripture, and we know it's wo- it's woven into human experience. As Cecil B. DeMille said, you can't so much break the moral law, you can only break yourself against it. We really can't, you know, choose, think that we have this ultimate power over the the side of the road. If you go at that berm at 60 miles an hour, you're going to crash your car. And so you guys are now in the classrooms and you're speaking to kids who are pursuing these ideas now without even knowing the consequences that will impact them, right? Emotionally, relationally, psychologically, physically, 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. What sorts of conversations do you guys have when you leave these classrooms? Um, I don't know, with regard to maybe the importance of families? And even just to speak maybe for a moment to parents who may not understand, maybe you know they, they've tried to impart the truth of the church and they get that these are values that have a real practical effect on the capacity for their kids to live a healthy life, to state that that way, and they don't know that their kids have inherited these behaviors, these patterns, or these ideals. Or maybe some of them do and they don't care. But what, what, what would you say to parents to help them understand how critically important this is. Yeah, so we actually have a parent talk as the culture project. Um, before we go in and execute our curriculum, uh, schools and parishes have the opportunity to bring us in just to like share with them what we're going to be talking to their children about and kind of ways for them to continue the conversation after we leave. So we always step in and encourage um, the parents that, you know, we're with your kids for a few hours at most, but you are the primary educators of your children. And like we can start this conversation with them, but like you need to continue on at home. Like you need to make this part of the daily life where it's not like a taboo topic it's something because if they're not going to talk about it with you then they're going to go looking for answers elsewhere so I think one thing we ultimately always encourage is to be unafraid unafraid to just like speak to your kids about these truths whether or not it's been something that um, as a parent they've struggled with in the past or are currently struggling with like the power of their witness in front of their children like that's what's going to stick like we always give the statistic from the national campaign to prevent teen pregnancy they ask um uh, I think it was a thousand teens. Uh, what was the most influential um, source on their sexual decisions? And teens reported the most um, likely factor was their parents, the input mm. that their parents had. So um, just not doubting it, kind of instilling a confidence because I think um, the, most of the parents we encounter, they just think that the culture is just too far gone, that they don't have any hope, that their kids are just going to be sucked into it. But um, recognizing that they do have that ability and power and the power of prayer, like pray as a family, like come together, like talk about your blessings, what you're grateful for, and um, just instilling that goodness of faith from the very forefront, um, because that's what's going to glue you together when things get rocky. So. so I have to use this phrase in its literal sense. It's not a uh, swear word, but what the hell? With regard to uh, pornography in general, which we know, and we've often recently regarded as a male thing, but um, if you talk to a priest or you see the stats, there has been a, a, um, a, a sh- I don't know, a, a tragic increase in the incidence of women who are uh, being engaged in pornography. So it's bad enough already that they're objectified through the films and that sort of thing and what that does. But um, you guys experienced maybe a little bit of that questioning today in high school classrooms. So... Interpret this as you will in responding and what goes through your heads and how you respond to it, but what the hell? I think, uh, I'd just first like to say that I think um, the the average age of exposure now is something around seven or eight years old. And so what we're seeing 
is uh, an exposure from um, older influences, whether that's family or friends or babysitters or whatnot. And so a lot of these people, a lot of these students we talk to, um, circling back to just what we see in the classroom, we have to remind ourselves that they often are exposed to these things without understanding the um, the, gra- the gravity of the situation uh, and what is actually happening. And um, we just uh, had an encounter um, with a, a 10-year-old um, girl uh, over Christmas break, and she said that she walked in and, and – um, or, or was sleeping in the same room as her older sister and, and just happened to wake up and see her sister watching two people doing something on a computer. Um, and so she, she understood that there was something inappropriate about it but wasn't sure what it was. But that image and that experience will be with her for the rest of her life. We speak to so many people, um, so many classrooms where there's an adult in the room, and the adults often will come up to us afterward and, and just tell us what their first expo- exposure was like to this, this horrific epidemic and I think it's more important now than ever that we address the why. Um, a few members on our team mentioned that the why was missing for a long time in their own lives. Telling um, young people, don't do it because it's bad for you, um, is unfortunately not enough anymore. They are walking themselves into pain um, without any regard for self. And there is a, a level of, there's an amount of, of numbing agencies Uh, in today's day and age that this world has never seen with electronic devices. These young people can numb themselves from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep. And unless we go into their classrooms and shake them with this why, um, the the no, the slap on the wrist, will not be enough. And so when it comes to pornography, we have to remind them just in such a gentle way like Christ or or like Christ with the woman at the well or or John Paul II in any encounter he had with young people. uh, When it comes to pornography, the desire, the deep, deep desire in your heart that leads you to this sin is so good. It's a good desire. You want to be um, attractive. You want to be approved. Um, you want to be seen as good, as lovable, as worthy of love. Uh, and this will never, ever fully satisfy you. And if we ask them, like, do you have the ability to look in the mirror and tell yourself that you deserve better? I think we um, we would be quite... Um, sad with how how few of the students we speak to have that ability to look in the mirror and tell themselves what they really deserve and that's why we start with our human dignity presentation um, just to remind them how much of a miracle they are and then we dive into the sexual integrity uh, and explain the 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 harms of pornography so that desire that god embeds in man and woman again a desire for god himself called the image of the Trinity, right? It's built into us ultimately as a means to connect with God. And in the beautiful design of marriage, man and woman are called to be icons and instruments of that Trinity, to make God love, God who is love known. Um, but really a good analogy, I think, is like that metallic duct tape, you know, that gooey on the duct tape. And if you bring two pieces of duct tape together, um, that's the purpose of that deep desire that God has put in man and woman. And with pornography, it's cheap and it's easy, but it is nonetheless a bonding thing. And when it's over, try to rip those two pieces of duct tape apart. You have pieces of each tape stuck to each other. There's brokenness, and I think most kids, tell me I'm wrong, young adults, adults experience those fragments of themselves because they've become one in a certain sense, even though they didn't physically bond in pornography. Their spirits, their emotions bonded with something in a cheap, superficial way that was then torn away and leaves them all the more hungry. But young women here, young adult ladies in this room, 
help us understand and maybe speak to those young women who may be either tempted to open that door. Why do they open the door in the first place? Speak to them and, you know, give some maybe insight as to what can give them strength to avoid that, um, which could have catastrophic uh, effects down the road. Yeah, so I think this all comes down to, again, that the root of this all is a good desire. And, I mean, we live in a world where it's, it's really not surprising that people are are tempted in these ways because we see a world where women are barely wearing any clothing on magazines at the grocery store in plain sight. There are sex scenes in nearly every TV show and movie that you watch. just like, really unnecessary as well. So it just it does, like, spark a curiosity, which I think is oftentimes where it begins. Uh, and... It's, it's just knowing our identity, I think, is, is what it really comes down to, and knowing the goodness of the human person, and that you are so much more than just a body, and that so are they. And you deserve, like, a real, true, authentic love, and you do have this, this desire to, to feel connected to people. And I think that's often where the urge comes from, to, to turn to something like pornography, but just knowing that that is, it's not there, that it's, it's empty. And um, it is, just comes down to using people as objects and seeing people as objects, which then flows into our relationships in our daily lives that are just friendships that have nothing to do with sex. But we just begin to see people as objects instead of as people. So to, to safeguard our own ability to love, it is just a way that we are able to, to choose to love people and to see people and not learn to see people as objects and just become an entire just culture of use. So we had in the queue a while ago some glory stories, so we want to get to those. Um, so be ready for that. But also, you had mentioned that one of your talks is on social media. Um, what do you guys see in that realm, and what are the, some of the main points of that? Because that is such a huge struggle and issue um, for most, if not all, young people, and the frustration that most parents feel because of it. Um, again, we like to point out what is a good desire at the root of it. And it goes back to, we want to belong. We want a sense of community. We want to be connected. Um, so just pointing that out. But one of the biggest things I like to convey is that there is no amount of likes. There's no amount of connection you can find via social media that will ever, um, be better or can replace one in-person relationship. And just, like, how much do we miss when we are um, glued to uh, a social, like, when we're glued to a phone or something like that? How much do we miss, like, even just the sense of wonder or the sense of gratitude or just noticing beauty? And I think that is actually kind of leading to probably a lot of these, you know, um, crisis in our sexuality and things like that because we are missing out on just being in the present moment and um, just letting our minds be filled with goodness and just noticing and receiving the gifts that are around us instead of being glued to something where, you know, and also social media is used as a platform for a lot of, you know, like we were talking about pornography and sexting, all that. It's just so big on social media, so loud. Um, so it's another way that they can get people sucked in without kids even knowing, you know, what they're doing. Um, but yeah, that's just a few of my rambling thoughts. Yeah. I think I don't know that too. That we do say we don't like we talk about a lot of the negatives because it's important to know. But we say that Pope Francis says that social media is morally neutral, so it's not good or bad in in itself, but it's about how you use it. 
So the like the basic structure of the talk is okay. We want you to be able to use it for the good, to use it virtuously. So we talk about how it affects your happiness, your relationships, and then your overall purpose and vision, how it fits into your life. And then we do pros and cons of each side. Uh, but we do find that the cons heavily, heavily outweigh the pros. Go ahead. Peter. Yeah, essentially. Um, we're, we're kind of like walking around with like public forums right in our pockets all the time. Like we have access to some of the greatest information, some of the greatest um, uh, voices out there, podcasts like this, you know, all these great things right, right in our, in our, in our pockets. However, we're also accessing some of the, some of the, the, it's like really detrimental aspects of what would happen in a public forum. So I think being able to recognize, yes, yeah, it's morally neutral and we have to be able to, you know, Meet meet people meet kids where they are and explain like there are certain things about uh, social media that can that can that can be good you know connect us with each other like we were saying but also you know there's stuff out there that we probably shouldn't be beholding we shouldn't be taking in uh, so just being able to recognize that awesome so folks you're tuning to ignite radio live we're very blessed to have the culture project in studio with us and i want to ask a question and segue into glory stories but where can they get a hold of you guys here in town because you you give talks i know you have a schedule and that sort of thing what's the contact info yeah so the best way to get us at a parish or a school or anything along those lines would be go to go to our website thecultureproject.org uh, we have a great great deal of content on there. Uh, we have a YouTube page as well. We're on all the social media platforms. Uh, interestingly, we were just talking about social media. Uh, but that would be the, the best way to do it, to go to our Schedulist tab uh, and just um, submit a scheduling request. Uh, that will go to Philadelphia, and then it will come over to us, and we'll, we'll work on getting there. So, Awesome. A point to be made, and just a quick word on it from any of you, is that heaven is not the absence of hell. And applied that means that I wonder if often today young adults, adults, think of this beautiful gift of faith as a set of ethical don'ts. Don't do that, dangers, and yes, they need to be pointed out. Um, and maybe what people are really missing today is that vital witness of what you get to have when you live self-control and intimacy, and you have a witness of that, you experience that in your own community. You experience the delight and the freedom of real relationships where there's not this cloud haunting you uh, of intentions and that sort of thing. A husband and wife who live that vitally, not in a context of using, but a context of self-gift. I mean, really, how, how many examples do these young people really have of relationships that are peers where the relationships aren't about I, my arrow of loving you when I say I love you is really to get out of you what I want out of you for me, which is unfortunately the definition of what a lot of them mean when they say I love you or are dating, when you break it down. So I guess, quick question for you. How, how do you try to communicate that? I know you are just by being present. They see you, they experience you, they experience the vitality. But how do you communicate the positive thing we get to have and live if they are so shrouded by clouds i just show them pictures of my girlfriend and say you could be loved like this one day (laughs) (laughs) okay no but seriously uh it's a challenge after someone who has yeah tried the the not chased relationship route um there is a a level of excitement Um, we we release a lot of great blogs and um a lot of great videos on our social media platforms, and there's a great video on the excitement of practicing chastity in a relationship. Uh, there are a lot of great blogs on, on what it means to be a gift, and I actually have found through practicing chastity in, in my my relationship with, with my incredible um, Kate, I, I have 
been able to actually look at myself mm. uh, with a level of love that I that I had just um, fell short of mm-hmm. or fallen short of before. So um, the the beauty of, of practicing chastity uh, is that you get to walk into classrooms and they there's something weird about us. Um, the funny thing is we go into classrooms and we take advantage of the fact that they think we're cool, uh, but really we aren't cool. Uh, we're 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 just striving for holiness, mm. uh, which which is actually so countercultural. Uh, it's it's bizarre because our joy doesn't make a whole lot of sense, um, and mm. our, our ability to love each other doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, you love being a, a verb is is not epitomized more probably in marriage, obviously. But uh, you guys are getting sacramental grace that we don't get in our community, mm. so uh, it's, it's epitomized quite a bit in community life because we have to choose each other and we have mm. to love each other and the students pick up on that. Mm. Um, it's a it's a level of friendship that they have never seen themselves. So St. John of the Cross points out that the only way to defeat a lesser love is by a greater love. And you all know that these young people are deeply desiring a greater love. They're settling for a lesser love because they think that's all there is. And I have to believe a lot of them are frustrated or feel locked in or feel trapped, whatever. And uh, they're yearning. So, I mean, if nothing else, I want to pronounce to you, adults, grandparents, kids, God desires for you that kind of relationship of mutual self-gift, of care, of genuine concern and compassion, um, where it is about your soul, where it's about the full person that you are, that person exists, and one practical thing is be praying for that person and become that person if you're called to marriage, which you don't know yet. Pray for the person that God sees already if he's calling you to marriage and pray to become that person because right now he sees you from that perspective outside of time is married. How would you want your future spouse to be right now, wherever they're at? Uh, you'd want them to be saving themselves for you, right, and vice versa. And there is a challenge, but if nothing else here, the Culture Project here pronouncing, it's worth it. It's a struggle. It's a challenge. God gave you the urge. The culture doesn't help it. But what a beautiful thing to cultivate that strength, that um, sense of self-control. So glory stories, lay them on us. You got some good stories for us of uh, some great victory you're seeing on the road. I actually got an email earlier today, 10 o'clock this morning. And uh, so last week I was at Norwalk, Ohio at the uh, the parish on a Sunday night talk. And there was a girl that there that wasn't usually there, but her boyfriend goes to the church. So she was there and heard my sexual integrity talk. And a couple days later, we go to uh, Sandusky Central Catholic High School to do the sophomore retreat. And she's there. She, I mean, she had told me that, like, she goes to Sandusky. I didn't even think about that connection. Uh, so she was there and got to have another day with us at the retreat, which is really, really cool. And we left the girls with our email, which we do oftentimes so mm-hmm. they can ask more questions if they think of things or if they weren't comfortable asking whatever the reason. So she sent me an email, and it says, Hey, Carrie, I'm so glad you and the girls came to our retreat. I really needed to hear what you all had to say to us. I'm changing for the better. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Awesome. John Paul, you got to kick in that applause clip, which we don't have yet. So, no, that's awesome. You know, and if it's just one soul, right? If it's just one soul, is awesome. Yeah, Caitlin. Um, There was a really precious moment um, that I had. uh, I was just telling the girls, you know, I want to be a big sister to you. I'm second oldest of seven, so I have like younger siblings that are your guys' age. And if you want to talk, I'm here. So the girls went in. It was at a retreat, and they were journaling. And then afterwards. Um, timidly uh, a young girl came up and she was on the verge of tears and she just wanted to talk and she sat down and just shared I want to grow in my relationship with God 
I want it. And just like sharing a little bit about her relationship with her mom and um yeah, just like her beautiful desire and just wanting to know how, like how to go deeper. Uh, it was really beautiful. So I just got to pray with her and accompany her in that moment. And uh, yeah, that was just a really, really awesome glory story. I was like, wow, seeing young people that they wanted uh, enough to bring them to tears. And that vulnerability was just really beautiful to receive. So a few key points for us who may be asking that question, which we should be, how do I go deeper? Yeah, absolutely. So what points did you give us a few points here, Caitlin? Mm, Okay. Well, first of all, I just affirm how beautiful that desire is. And then just pour that out to our Lord, like ask him for the grace and just spend time. Uh, I also encourage, especially young women, to journal, journal those desires. The Lord wants that for you more than you want it for yourself. You know, and he's a good father. He's going to bless you in those ways more than you can imagine. So just giving him the time and um, just seeking and surrounding yourselves with people that also will call you on, uh, I think, are just a few of the things that I can share with you guys. Yeah, so um, I have a, I had a, somebody reach out to me after I gave a talk, and I'll just read it off. It was, it was very powerful. I was really, really happy to receive this uh, message. I wanted to say thank you so much for talking to me tonight. I, I can't say how much it helped me to just talk with you about what I'm facing tonight. Uh, I talked with other guys going through the same thing, and you just really helped me to see what I need to do to start to get through this. I had a good 30 minutes in prayer in, adoration, in the Adoration Chapel afterwards. Thank you so much. Please pray for me. Um, so that was a powerful witness uh, to just, just like, like, I just was like listening and, and hearing where they are in their journey. Um, you know, as, as we're all journeying through life, you know, with uh, trying to live out the virtues that we proclaim uh, to the best of our ability. And this is a guy that just needed to hear be heard out uh, after after we had a talk. So I was really grateful to be able to hear him out and just, uh, you know, meet him where he is. So. There's a message there for all of us to simply give our children, grandchildren, an opportunity to talk, to ask good questions and to listen. So that's a great affirmation. Laura. Um, I was able to encounter um, this one girl after a sexual integrity talk, and she just came up to me, and she was just like, okay, like, here's the deal. Like, and she kind of laid out her situation. She goes, I am, like, in this group of friends, and we're seniors now, but our group has just gotten smaller and smaller and smaller as the years have gone on, and now it's only down to a very few of us. And the reason why we're dwindling is because all my friends are entering into these really bad relationships, and we know stuff's going on and them and so it's kind of been an area of disconnect for us and she's like I really want to reach out to them but I kind of don't want to be like rocking the boat because I know they really won't agree with what I'm saying and we just had like a really good conversation on like how how to approach those people when like you want to pursue chastity because we encounter um, I think a lot of times our glory stories are are girls who are, are men who come up to us and are just like after hearing this message just like radically like want to move forward they're like yes chastity because I've messed up in the past I want I want to do this desire but then we also get this other end of people who who've desired it and want to know how do I help others or how do I um you know even though it seems like it, it can be a challenge like how do I stand up for it and be a witness to it and so I think that was just really beautiful and powerful so we talked about some practicals moving forward and um just a reminder that like she's not alone in this so that was really really beautiful Awesome. Joel, you got one for us. Uh, yeah, I think last year uh, will just be the, the, it takes the cake for us um, toward the end of the year, realizing that we were able to um, reclaim and rebuild an entire high school's um, culture because of uh, a pornography and sexting scandal that 
uh, we helped expose through our presentations and through um, our Q and A's. So to anyone out there who, who who's thinking about bringing us in, um, if you're going to have a sexual integrity presentation, it helps to have a Q and A follow up because these Q and A follow ups unlocked the harms of of pornography and especially um, using each other through sexting as pornography and. Um, it exposed a brave, brave young soul, brought, the, brought it to the attention of um, some administration, and the entire high school was able to come to, um, especially the senior class, able to come to a resolution and a forgiveness period at a retreat. The, the timing of it was so divine and um, just incredible to watch um, a high school transform um, because of our witness. So, folks... Again, tune in to Ignite Radio Live. Blessed to have the Culture Project here with us. And if you were in the same room with these awesome young adults, you would experience an anointing. You'd experience uh, the heart of one who says, Here I am, Lord, send me. I will go where you send me. I will trust in you. Going into places where it's very difficult, where there's resistance, where there's brokenness, and to go there with love. Um, they've said yes, and they've set whatever lucrative careers could otherwise be in front of them on hold or entirely put them aside for these moments to say, God, you've equipped me for this time and this place to reach these souls right now. Well, there's that, that costs something. Um, they, they, they rely on us for prayers, yes. They rely on us for support for things like this, yes. But they also need our financial support. And so for that, just cue Julie uh, spontaneously here to maybe uh, share with us how we might be of financial support to the Culture Project. Yes, thank you. So the Culture Project is reliant upon private donations, and I invite everyone listening to help support us, whether it's a one-time gift or to join our monthly support team at any cost. That would be any any gift you can give, whether it's $25, $50, $100. I mean, if we are open to the, the gifts that, um, that we receive. And it's very easy to make a gift. All you have to do is go on to our website at www.thecultureproject.org and there is a donation tab. You can make a um, gift by credit card and, uh, or you can send in a, um, a um, payment to, uh, directly to our P.O. box as well. There's many ways to get involved. If you want to learn more, please just... Um, Send a message through our contact site as well, and uh, be happy to get God bless you all. Have a good night.